Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Monday, January 15th. Today, Colorado Sun reporter Jason Blevins talks about the conditions in the mountains after the major snowstorm that hit the Colorado high country this weekend. Before we begin, join the Colorado Sun on January 24th as environmental reporter Michael Booth speaks with experts about the growing revolution of electric vehicles, the mandates and subsidies, the death of big highway building, and more. Join for free by signing up at coloradosun.com events. Now let's go back in time with some Colorado history. On this date in 1859, a group of gold seekers camped along a tributary of Boulder Creek and established Gold Hill, named after the ore found at that spring. The discovery of placer deposits in the Rockies in 1858 had drawn fortune seekers, leading to the founding of Boulder as a base for exploration. By the following year, their efforts yielded significant gold, particularly with the introduction of stamp mills for ore processing. Though the settlers lacked formal governance, they formed their own rules. Despite a devastating fire in 1860 and dwindling gold resources, Gold Hill remained a central hub for those trying to strike it rich. Known for its social life and metropolitan accommodations, as noted by the Rocky Mountain News in 1973, Gold Hill peaked in mining in the early 1870s but persists as a small, proud community today. Before we continue, a special thank you to all of our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com slash join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Next, our feature story. Hey, welcome to the Colorado Sun podcast, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I'm David Krause, an editor here at The Sun, joined by my buddy and our Colorado Sun outdoors reporter, Jason Blevins. Jason, how's it going, bud? Yeah, DK, doing well. Monday podcast, usually we record this Thursday or Friday, but we got a exemption from our friends at Pirate Audio, and we are recording this on Saturday evening as this major winter storm. Almost the high country for the big holiday weekend. Hopefully everyone is getting home safe or staying home warm. Uh, so we thought we'd just kind of chat about what we saw today up in the mountains. Uh, Jason was up in the Vale area. I was in the Arkansas River Valley area. Um, crazy winds. Uh, this storm is going to keep going on through the week. So we thought we'd chat through that. Uh, JB, let's just start it out. Uh What did your Saturday entail in this crazy weather? Wind and wind and wind. Um, What a wind event we're having here in Colorado right now. Saturday was just starting on Friday, all through Saturday, high winds. You saw it. Every resort was closing their alpine chairlifts, mega gusts on the top of a top of peak. So any, any high chairlift was, was uh, closed. They all had the back poles closed both Friday and Saturday. Um, all the high stuff at Beaver Creek was closed. Um, I went on a tour and it was mostly just wind buff pow. And this is something that, uh, Colorado Avalanche Information Center forecast called us, um, last week 
started pulling the alarm. We are going to have a tremendously high um, avalanche hazard week of avalanche hazards and risks and dangers right now. Um, and they wanted to get ahead of it and sort of pull the alarm early before the holiday weekend, three-day weekend here for MLK. Um, seeing as of Saturday morning, pretty much the entire state is ranked in a high avalanche danger. That means that natural avalanches are likely human triggered avalanches are most likely. So we are seeing a lot of high danger right now. Um, or everyone is urged to stay out of avalanche strain. You can't really outthink this avalanche hazard, this avalanche cycle. It's best to kind of just late, let it settle, maybe flush. Um, you're not going to be able to figure out a safe zone. Um, CAIC has all sorts of photos of natural um, avalanches that uh, that have been triggered in the past couple days. They're reporting today in the central range um, wind drifts that are three, four, five feet deep at tree line. So we got a huge avalanche cycle on our way and uh, they are urging everyone to maybe stick that low angle trains, meadow skipping time. Yeah, it's uh as it just was crazy up here, you know. Um I I was planning on going to Monarch, wound up having a detour because Highway 50 was closed for most of the day. They tapped out early at Monarch on Saturday. And so I thought I'd be smart and go to Ski Cooper, got there and all Maybe. the uh lifts were closed, but the surface lift was open. So did a couple laps before it got so crazy. Uh, I left there about 11 o'clock and drove back down. Crazy wind coming through Leadville, of course, and, and down river. Talked to a buddy of mine uh, over at Copper on uh, Ski Patrol, and he said they had a 102-mile-an-hour gust at the top of Copper. Most of their lifts were closed throughout the day. Uh, Jason, you know, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday. Monday is going to be probably still blizzardy is what the early um you know the forecasts were saying you mentioned you talked to the caic crew thursday talk to people about what that wind really can do and and how it can create those cornices and then also the crew over to open snow they're calling for more snow later on this week yeah i mean joel's calling for at open snow joel gratz is saying we're looking at upwards of 25 inches in the Eagle River Valley for the next, out of this next two-day storm cycle. And then there's another one coming in the next couple weeks or next couple days. And then we got Northern Mountains are going to get even more hammered. So this is a big storm cycle that we're coming and it, it's been set up with this insane wind event we just had. So wind loading right now on these slopes with new snow. And as this wind event tapers off and we see heavy snow coming in the next couple days, we're going to be wind loading even more so avalanche danger could even go to extreme which would be very rare we don't see that not really since um march 2019 have we seen that but this is a, a unique combination of events with really big snow coming in the next couple few days another big storm coming later next week and then this wind event that just kind of buffed everything and really set everything up for um pretty high danger and high elevated risks that are going to be lingering for you know at least another week um caic is those forecasters are always like to say that they see a lot of avalanches now after 
the storm cycle's finished. So we're going to see this storm cycle wind down, say it's a week from now, and everyone's going to be chomping at the bit. There's going to be un- un- piles of powder up there in the backcountry. And that's when they start to see avalanche accidents. So they're starting to really kind of, you know, get out in front of some of these warnings. We have an avalanche warning across state. So this is a pretty unique event with the wind and the amount of snow that's coming in. Resorts are obviously super stoked. Can't say that resorts are 100% safe. Last week we saw a um, pretty big avalanche at California's Palisades Tahoe that killed a man um, and buried three others. So it's it's a dangerous time in the high country, but you know resorts are orders of magnitude safer than uh, anything in the back country for sure. And uh, you know maybe if you're getting into some brand new terrain that hasn't opened in a resort, maybe think about wearing your beacon while you're riding chairlifts. That's not an unheard of uh, practice in some extreme areas. Definitely up in Crested Butte when they open a ski, open new terrain. You got the North Lift opening it up this weekend. They say all those skiers will be wearing their beacon as they sort of beat down the snow for the first time this season. Jason, you you said it a couple of times, but can you kind of walk us through what is what is a wind-loaded avalanche look like? Is it how it settles in the crevasses or is it cornices? Or what do you mean when, when we talk about that phrase wind-loaded? Yeah, so there's two different types of slabs. You get a storm slab with just fresh snow, right? And then we're, on top of that, we're getting wind slab formations as well. So there's two different types of slab formations that are going slab is a giant just feel like a football field of snow that's on a really weak layer then the weak layer is from that early snow that we had in early december and it's also the weak layer could be this wind buffed kind of really sheared hard packed snow that um this new snow is going to fall on it's just been hit hammered by wind so it's you know the fear at ciac is both of these slabs could reach down into really weak, faceted snow below and start causing some significantly large avalanches. These are not just a little wind buff that's just the new snow that's going. This is avalanches that could step down into weak layers on the ground. And we could see the entire season's worth of snow ripping from, you know, ripping across the whole, you know, basin. So this is a Pretty significant event. And again, there's two different types of slab that they're talking about, the storm slab and the wind slab. So two different, pretty big um, threats out there. And wind is just like, imagine, you know, wind's blowing at a mountain like that and it just piles up on a cornice and it gets these drifts that are, you know, three, four, five feet deep. And then that is such a heavy load on a weak layer below and that rips down, you know, wind slab, storm slab is just simply fresh snow that's fallen and, piled deep um these two combination of fresh snow and wind is uh what has sort of escalated the hazards in avalanche train right now you talk about that march 2019 event i remember that being up in um snowmass aspen area at the time and just the carnage up there on just avalanche paths you know just you see that in march and that's you know those big heavy wet storms right but this one January, we get a lot of wind and it's cold, but do you recall a January, Jason, where you've seen a wind event like this? Not, No, I haven't. And it's pretty rare to see the entire state go red with a high danger. So, I mean, these are, it, and with them predicting a prolonged sort of exposure. And it's interesting to see the uh, CAIC, Colorado Avalanche Information Center, the forecasters are really getting out in front of it. And that's something they did in 2019 as well. They said, hey, As that storm lined up, they started getting out even 
days before the snow started coming saying, this is going to be so dangerous. Like, if you think that you have a safe line, you don't. Things that you think have been safe for 10 years are not safe anymore. Rethink everything. Go back to the basics and really watch your, you know, where where you're traveling in the backcountry. And, and that's what they're doing right now. So this is, again, sort of a continuation of what we saw in 2019 in terms of CAIC moving ahead of the storm, really pulling the alarm, saying, man, everybody, let's really get get our heads in the game and pay attention to where you're going to be traveling. And so far this season, we've had zero fatalities, knock on wood, and it would be really cool to see us move through this MLK holiday and get into next week with zero fatalities still. Four out of the past 12 MLK holidays have seen fatal avalanche accidents in Colorado. So we are hoping we can kind of move through this one and uh, move into next week with that still, that beautiful zero. You mentioned CAIC. We mentioned opensnow.com for forecasts. You know, CDOT, they do a good job with road closures because that's ultimately what led Monarch to be closed today was you couldn't get there because uh, Highway 50 was closed. Always a good thing to check. Jason, last thing for today, you got any secrets on how you stay warm or what's your layering technique this time of year? Cold weather is a clothing issue. (laughs) So always, you know, just prepare yourself and think about the wind you're going to have tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a big day for Colorado ski resorts. They're going to open up a lot of train. It's been closed. They're going to have some fresh snow and there's going to be some folks chomping at the bit on a holiday weekend that didn't get out to do what they wanted to do yesterday. So tomorrow's going to be a busy day. Protect yourself. Watch out for those uh, um, those frostbite nips. I have a little special fleece thing that I stick under the brim of my goggles that covers the tip of my nose. I put heat packs in the top of my mittens. Um, and that is just basically think about layering and wind protection tomorrow. Keep yourself safe out there. Yeah. Hey, here's a, uh... Here's a quick dad, I guess it's not a trick, what is it, a dad uh, clue, is when you're done with those heat packs, if you put them in a Ziploc bag, Jason, you cut off the air, you can use them again the next day. There you go. Good to know. I can make make a pack of hand warmers last two or three days out on the mountain because I just get those babies and, you know, you buy them cheap at Walmart through the years and you'd be able to, but I did, I got home and because I do the same thing. I put one in each mitten, and then I put one in my chest pocket to keep it right. there. Oh. And then I, when I get home, I put them in a Ziploc bag, and I'll bust those babies out the next day, and they'll be working just fine. So there you go. There you yeah. go. A little free dad advice. How's that? There you go. ColoradoSun.com, giving you all the tips you need to keep <laughs> warm and safe out in the Colorado backcountry. Snowy. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jason, you stay safe out there, buddy. Thanks for the time. It was fun catching up on a Saturday night. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please be careful out there this week. Pay attention, like Jason said. If you want to read more about the storm, um, our uh, conversation with the CAIC guys uh, late last week setting up the storm, you can check that out at coloradosun.com and click on the Outdoors tab. You can also sign up for Jason's weekly outsider newsletter there at coloradosun.com slash outsider. And a reminder that the Colorado Sun is a member of the Trust Project. So you can see our commitment to trusted journalism at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Jason, have a great week. Enjoy in the powder and stay safe up there, buddy. Yeah, DK.
Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. The small mountain town of Silverton is one of a few high country communities looking for ways to create other sources of power for when storms sock in their town. Silverton, which is in southwestern Colorado and sits at 9,300 feet, is creating a comprehensive resiliency plan. The centerpiece is a microgrid, a combination of solar panels and a large battery to provide backup power for the entire community. One Colorado Power Authority wants to put a microgrid in remote mountain towns, creating a local source of electricity with at least 6 to 8 hours of power. Colorado ranks 46th in the country in per capita funding for the arts. What that translates to is a $2 million budget for the state's arts agency known as Colorado Creative Industries, or CCI, in a state of nearly 6 million people. In 2014, CCI's budget was set at $2 million and has remained there ever since. But that could change. Governor Jared Polis's proposed budget includes a one-time $16 million tax credit for creative workforce housing, an additional $2.5 million for CCI's annual budget, and more than a half million dollars for Colorado Creative Districts. The Four Corners Free Press, an award-winning alternative monthly based in Cortez, will publish its final edition this weekend, ending a 20-year run and becoming another casualty in the decline of rural newspapers. The publication's editor pointed to rising printing costs, a recurring theme among many struggling rural papers, and the loss of advertisers during the pandemic as factors in the decision to close. The loss of local newspapers, especially in rural areas, has become a nationwide problem. Roughly 2,500 papers in the U.S. and more than 50 in Colorado have closed since 2005. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the Sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com join. Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.